Do you talk to him about this? Oh, yes. I told him <laughs> about the different courses. I talk to everyone about career paths. <laughs> hey, friend. It's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your career and design a life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Sia Raj Purit. She is the Global EdTech and Workforce Development Category League at AWS Marketplace and the co-founder and general partner for Pathway Ventures, a venture capital firm. In this episode, you'll learn about overcoming rejection, writing a book, building relationships, and so much more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my Substack called Portfolio Career, which I send out every two weeks on Sundays. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go. See ya. So I'm a fan of emails and I somehow or sometimes believe that people are kind of like one email away. Um, Maybe talk to us about like a rejection email that you got um, and how you might have turned it around. Um, so I guess one of the most powerful rejection emails that I've gotten and I turned around um, was um, when I was an undergrad, I really wanted to work at this company called Udacity. Udacity at that time was a series A startup um, out of Mountain View. I was just graduating from college and I really liked the company. So I applied for a role, tried to interview, like connected well with the team, but didn't get the role because it wasn't a fit for my skill set. Um, So I remember getting that rejection email and feeling so disappointed because when you're graduating from college, you have all these skills like that are like not well packaged together Mm. almost, but you have all of these ambitions too. And Udacity was just like something I really wanted. So I wrote an email back to the recruiter asking if if there's any way for them to create a different kind of role for me. I made like a compelling case on like why Udacity and I were fit for each other at that time and how as a generalist college grad, I can do any type of job. And somehow that email kind of struck a chord with the team and they ended up creating a role for me. And so I ended up joining Udacity. It was kind of, it was a huge boost for me early in my career because it showed me like how malleable everything really is. So like rejections from companies, like rejections from individuals, like you, there are ways if you feel strongly enough and are able to position the value prop for yourself and for them very clearly, then there's ways that people turn around on these things. So life is kind of malleable. Life is malleable. (laughs) Um, What other, uh, do you have another example of how maybe negotiating or turning, you know, some frown upside down happened another time? Yeah. So again, I guess back in undergrad, um, I really wanted to take this class taught by Professor Robert Metcalf. Um, He's a very famous professor and also he was a co-inventor of Ethernet. So very famous entrepreneur (laughs) as well. So I wanted to take this class. I didn't have the prerequisites for that. And I remember emailing him so many different times with different articles that might be of interest (laughs) to him or different insights just to kind of convince him. In the end, I looked back at the exchange and 36 messages back and forth it would be like me every two three emails for his email but every email was unique and insightful (laughs) from from my perspective and eventually he admitted me to that class I took it um, that was like the highlight of my experience in college and we became really good friends or at least he became a mentor to me (laughs) would be a better way to say it but yeah I think 
um, even like today, I work in partnerships and business development. So constantly have to reach out to people, mm -hmm. get a lot of rejections at times because it may not be a fit or those kind of things. But if you keep adding value and keep coming at it from an earnest perspective, I think that um, you, some of these things turn into yeses. Yeah, I love that. I have like an example or two of that like one email and it's just like you keep adding to it and it's just like, hey, saw this article, I did this thing, like if you want to reply back, that's fine. If not, I'm just like slowly letting you know what's up um, and like who I am and how like your work is impacting me, et cetera. Um, but it's like funny looking back on that, not to say it's cringe, but like, it's just like funny to look back on them. Sometimes you're like, wow, this has been going on for like three years. And, yeah. um, but yeah, it's uh, major kudos to you for keeping that going. And then led to this incredible class and relationship. Um, you mentioned earlier about the rejection. You mentioned about this kind of like crafting a role. What, uh, like you were, this was your first job out of school? First job, yes. Yeah, so what did you even like come up with like potential projects to work on or like how did you figure out, and maybe, you know, maybe you don't really remember it as well, but like if someone was gonna send a certain kind of email like that now, what do you think that could look like or should look like? So my first role at that time was like product and operations. Um, so Udacity was a small company, about 40, 50 people. And I joined like, again, product ops, but my role was to basically do anything that was like important to the company. And I embraced that. I'm like, I'm 21, I can do anything. <laughs> like basically, so it took on those kind of things. And I really feel that that opportunity exists at every age level mm. for every individual. I was just thinking today that in my portfolio, there are a number of companies that would be open to create creating roles for individuals if they made a compelling pitch on what value they could add. So I would recommend if people wanted to do this, first, deeply understand what the company is and what the mission is. For me and Udacity at that time, like the first part of my email basically just reiterated that passion. Mm -hmm. From me, I had published a book in the sector, I'd done all this talking and all those kind of pieces. Like I understood the problem Udacity wanted to solve, like make education like um, accessible to everyone and resonated with that. So make that your first piece and make it very clear. Um, make it so like, um, like I guess actionable for the individual to understand what you're like looking to do. Then the second part was about like just the flexibility of the role. Mm. So make that pitch. And again, like now that I have more of a distinctive skill set, I guess, than I did 10 years ago, <laughs> I'd be able to be like, okay, these are the three <laughs> things I can add, right? Because again, 21 yeah. to like, I guess 30, like I've just learned so much between those skills, right? And then, the, uh, so just pitch those skills that you can present. And then the third is again, the flexibility that I'm okay. Like even if you start off in like a part-time project-based, whatever mm. manner, and build up from there just to earn trust with the partner is valuable. Yeah. You gloss over the fact that you wrote a book at 18. <laughs> uh, and then just to also reiterate, we'll get into it, but Pathway Ventures is a VC fund that you co-founded. Yes. Um, and so when you mentioned portfolio, those are companies that you made an investments to and uh, or into and you have kind of an overview on you know what they're up to and they're um, a lot of times it is hiring right like I feel like and it seems like that is a way not in but at least becoming like I, I there is how, yeah how do you feel about the idea of someone emailing you and saying hey 
So yeah, I know you invested in uh, Amazon. We're just going to say Amazon. Um, I know you're an investor in Amazon. Um, here's what I'm up to. Like, I'm looking on the job board, but like, here's what I'm up to. Like, what does that kind of email look like? Of like how you as an investor into a company might be able to help out. Uh, yeah. I love that kind of outreach. The three things that email has to have is number one, um, the clear mission statement or passion. Like what subset of the sector is this person interested in? Because the broader you go, the harder it is for um, someone to help place you into that kind of company. The second is the clarity of skill set. Mm. So again, being like, these are the things I can do. These are the things I've done in the past, like product ops, whatever it is, and having that kind of clarity. And then the third is about like the, like if it's either, um, a, it's if it's a specific company, then just why that company? Or if it's more broad, like what type of role, right? So like geography, size of company, whatever kind of constraints. What I've found is that people are actually really helpful. So if you tell them what specifically you're looking for, they'll tend to remember and try, like when they find those opportunities, they'll come back to you. Yeah. And those loose connections, like the ones you email, are the best ones that actually can help you place into different places. The specificity. And you mentioned this, like, this, this statement. Um, and I want to make sure that I get it right, but you had a quote recently, or online that says the best careers are guided by a purpose, a passion statement, or an intense feeling. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for remembering that. <laughs> uh, what would you say, uh, I know it may be hard to say you have a, the best career, but what would you say of those, either a purpose, passion statement, or an intense feeling, what kind of most resonates with you now or what's most applicable amongst those three? Um, I think, honestly, my career has fluctuated between them, but it's mostly been around this intense feeling of trying to fix this problem. Mm. Um, coming back to, I guess, my college days, I was studying computer engineering in undergrad and really struggling with how engineering was being taught. Mm. Um, as everyone knows now, it's very one-size-fits-all at a university level, and it wasn't working for me. And I'd always been a good student, and suddenly I'm a straight C student. And it was just very difficult to be 18 and kind of going through this, like... You're a straight crisis. C student? Straight C student. But in like in high school, you were at like Westlake, is it? That's yeah. right, yes. Um, and I was it, a really good student yeah, there. Yeah, Dean's <laughs> <list>. yeah. <laughs> so my parents were also very surprised and disappointed about what happened. But the truth is that the classes and how they were being taught just didn't resonate. Mm. And so I went through this time thinking that, is there something wrong with me? And then what I ended up doing was cold messaging some really famous people to ask Again. for their opinion. <laughs> and this was because I was just like, okay, if I talk to my parents, if I talk to my professors, they'll all have biased perspectives. But why don't I go outside and ask some famous people who I would admire, who live in the Austin community at that time, um, what their opinion is. And surprisingly, they all agreed to meet with me for coffee and told me these really powerful stories about how important engineering was, but how it was not being taught well. So their message to me actually was that stick through this program because the careers are gonna be worth it. You're gonna add so much value to the country in terms of our job skills gap. You're gonna add so much like a more cushion for yourself because it's much more financially stable to get in a STEM degree. All of these things that no one was actually talking about in 2010, 2011, like on a mainstream basis. So I ended up capturing, like I started writing notes about what they were telling me to share with my classmates who were going through the same dilemma. like. 
um, are like all college majors equal? Like, what does that mean? Like, should we just go to a more fun major? Like all of these questions that we're all asking, right? And so, and those notes became long enough that I'm like, okay, maybe this is a book here. <laughs> so ended up getting published a couple of days before my 19th birthday. And after that, I was like, okay, you know what? We should fix this at a systems mm -hmm. level. Like, how can we make engineering more accessible to every type of learner? So like 18 year old Sia and everyone else like her doesn't feel like locked out of careers because they don't understand embedded systems. So basically that's what my career has been about. Like just making that much more accessible, whether it's building those products or investing in those kind of companies and what was what is that intense feeling like what that is you mentioned oh I want to solve this problem but like is that the intense feeling is about like being locked out mm. so being 18 and being afraid that you'll never get a job or you might never get to leave like your town and just like kind of go to the big city and do those kind of like things that you want to right so that feeling of being locked out is something that people experience at all points in their life when they want to make those kind of pivots when they feel that they're stuck in a job that's not financially rewarding or emotionally satisfying and i want to help alleviate that feeling for other people because that feeling of being in a box or being powerless in some way of your career yeah. is very hurtful. And you still have that intense feeling now? I do. And it's really like I talk all the time to people who earn like hourly wages and those kind of things about what can they do instead. And you feel like there's so many remarkable people you meet. Like in New York, you meet like these like um, like the doorman who is just so gregarious. that They'd be amazing in like sales or something like that. Yeah. Right. And it's just like they just didn't get the opportunity. Mm. And so like what we really need to do as an industry in ed tech and workforce is like uh, unlock that for everyone. What, um, have you talked to this door men or door woman recently? Yeah. <laughs> is there one in, do you have one in, like in so mind? Our building's <laughs> doorman, Gene, um, is one of the most charming and gregarious people I've ever met. Mm. Like he would absolutely kill it in sales if that's the profession he decided to get into. So I like, but he just didn't get to go to college and yet he's like now in his like late 20s working as a doorman for several years now. And again, like everyone knows he's exceptional, mm. but how do we get him into that job that he deserves? Yeah, what's his name again? Gene. Gene. What, um, do you talk to him about this? Oh, yes. So I told him <laughs> about the different courses. I talk to everyone about career paths. <laughs> so like, I love talking about career paths with people. So yeah, we talk about this and um, he's considering some of the tech sales programs that tech companies offer. Okay, wow. So literally just, yeah, I love this. Like it is actually really powerful about kind of the, the un, like we were talking about the one email, but also can be like one conversation. And like we, you know, there are conversations that linger with us as much as we like maybe don't want to admit it and stuff or like they just kind of like passing conversations sometimes. Like, and it can be a passing conversation that like makes you smile and then you think about it for a little while or it can be like a passing conversation of like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, and someone's like, yeah, that's cool. Like, you should do that. And you're like, done, and you're <laughs> off the races. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it's really weird how, like, so much can be these little, like, micro moments, and it seems like you're doing an incredible job of, like, realizing these micro moments are, are true and to try to really make them positive and, you know, could change this person's life. Gene. 
Yeah, I'm really hoping so, because again, he deserves to be in that kind of role for sure. And it's amazing that when you see someone who has the potential to do so much more, you have to tell them. So that's like how I feel about Jean and a lot of other people that I meet on the regular, and I hope other people do too, because we all have to kind of help each other realize that full potential that we have. Yeah. Um, you also talked about kind of like careers are long and talking to older people. Uh, talk to us about uh, what hashtag CF56 is. Hashtag CF56, like what I guess I aspire to be um, in my when I'm 56. Yeah, maybe, okay. yeah, like was um, uh, your grandfather, he was 56 when he went back to, to oh, business wow. school. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you read these pieces. Wow. Um, yes. Okay. Wow. That's a beautiful um, uh, memory. Um, so yes. Um, so the background story about that is that um, my grandfather, who I was very close to, um, basically built his entire career in the government sector in India. Um, the government job at that time was very prestigious. He got it at 21. He like mapped his entire career about that. And then he realized um, when there was like a forced retirement age coming up for him that he wasn't ready to retire. Mm. That was the early 90s. India was like suddenly opening up to the global markets. There was just so much energy and excitement yeah. in the country. I was like a young grandchild he had at that time. <laughs> and basically he decided at that time that he wanted to go to business school to basically pivot and, and like enter the business world. And the 1990s traditional business school was actually really difficult for him mm. because he was so much older than the 20-somethings that were coming in. It was like a whole generational gap, but it was more than that because the country had changed so much at that time that like the 20-somethings were like like so different and like learned so differently than he did in the classroom. So basically, seeing him go through that with like the enthusiasm he always had, like the diligence he always had for academics and those things, but struggling because the environment was not a fit. And so I remember having these conversations with him at that time, like in my like very young years. And he's just like, you can't prepare for your entire life at the onset. You can't have a degree at 21 that'll just like carry you through. You'll have to kind of keep reinventing yourself is kind of like the message that came through. And he did, like he worked for another 20 years after that. Yeah. So like, um, I think back to that a lot and uh, like, it's something which is very true. Like we need to reinvent ourselves so often, even earlier in our careers now. Yeah, yeah. What else do you think you learned from him? So like, I guess <laughs> on the careers piece or in life? Life, yeah, or what, what, whatever comes to mind. So, I think the first thing that actually comes to mind is about like kind of resilience after his passing almost. Like I was 22 when he passed, which is a lot of years to get with your grandpa. When I look back at it, my siblings had much less because they're much younger than me. But I think after that, I was a little bit like rattled for a while because that was the first close person who had passed in my life. And it was just like, I was 22, just my new job at Udacity. <laughs> and like, it was just a lot to process. And I think it taught me resilience in a different kind of way. Like when you're having like personal grief and you're still able to kind of show up and kind of figure out how to compartmentalize better and just kind of grow as a person. Sorry to hear about that. Um, how do you think like he shows up in your, like, or how do you think that you live his values or his, you know, his mission or his 
personal statement or his pur- purpose? Like, how do you think that that shows up um, on a daily basis or weekly basis for you? So I guess on the career side, I think about that reinvention piece a lot. So I think about that in terms of like, how can I continually like kind of build these skills? And in my life so far, I've already transitioned across like four domains. I did operations, product, venture capital, and now business development. So like all similar, but different in order to just be able to continue to grow in the career. So I think about that a lot. And it's something I like still think about in terms of which online classes can I keep taking, which like, should I go and like learn at a different firm? Should I continue doing things on the side? Like those kind of things I keep iterating on because you have to be very like um, very flexible as you go through the career. And on the personal front, like I actually think about him a lot when I travel to places. He loved traveling. So I'm just like I'm seeing so much more of the world. And like it just like makes me feel connected to him. Yeah. You got an India trip coming up in a little bit. So maybe maybe you'll think about him then. And I visit my grandma um, who Mm. lives in India still. So it's amazing to spend time with her. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned the kind of the four different domains as well. Um, But these days, business development with Amazon, but then also the fund that we talked about pathways, like talk to us about like that, that day to day of like two, you know, busy, high profile kind of jobs. Like, how do you do it? What's the secret? (laughs) So honestly, no secret. Many weeks we're just like pulling it together, but um, we really believe in this. So we believe in this operator investor model in venture capital. We think that the best investors will also be operators and have like that kind of track record of building like cool products and like getting them to market and those kind of things. So we believe that that's the future we see. We think founders should work more closely with operators because they can add so much more value um, just beyond like even beyond the financials. And so at Amazon, I do partnerships for ed tech and workforce development companies. Um, And then for Pathway, we make investments in pre-seed and seed companies and the future of learning and work. It's the same sector, which is awesome because I get to just dive into all these different parts of it. Every person I meet in the uh, sector teaches me something for these pieces or there's some value that either Amazon, AWS or Pathway can add there. And so it's a cool balance between the two. Yeah, and this kind of... The synergy, investor and operator. I wonder what other kind of natural kind of synergies there are for people's potential portfolio careers. Like, is there any that come to mind for you of like... We're seeing a lot of like healthcare professionals become investors now too in the med tech sector because they deeply understand like the science behind it. They deeply like understand like what types of products make sense um, and they're able to help there. So that's, I think, a huge vertical as well. Is there any other that come to mind? Um, besides like healthcare and I guess even in general tech, right? So I have friends who work in different types of companies focused on maybe like security or music tech and those kind of things. And they invest in those sectors too, because again, when you're so deep in the sector and there's technology, like innovations happening within it, you are best positioned to evaluate and support those. So of course we do it for ed tech and workforce, but our friends do it in like health tech, med tech, like all of those other pieces music and arts and those like whatever verticals they focus on yeah okay um that makes a lot of sense um you mentioned earlier that you're also very like kind of like passionate about careers um the importance of being flexible um is there anything else that kind of really like jumps out about careers that um that you want to mention 
I think that um, a lot of students are taught that networking is important, but I don't like the phrasing of that. I think having very strong friendships in your career is really important. And what I mean by that actually is that like um, there are people that I like am career friends with in the sense that we support each other through like those kind of career transitions and decisions. And we can be very vulnerable with each other about how like we might not have that kind of clarity or those kind of pieces. So establishing those relationships and just being able to kind of cultivate them over time is super critical. And I also think a lot about community in that way. Like Mm. there's this company I really like. It's called 20. It's basically a community and platform for people in their 20s. And so the types of questions that they answer through content and conversations are things such as like, should I go to grad school? How do I find a life partner? Like all these questions that 20-somethings grapple with. And there's like content and community around that. And I am really curious to see how these kind of communities form to provide people those friendships that can then like help guide their career or personal life or those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to think about where those friendships go five, ten years, et cetera. Um, how do you think that you, uh, you mentioned your kind of like career friendships or work peers, I guess, or kind of work-oriented friends. Um, how do you think that um, you kind of like stay in touch with those people? How do you make new friends or yeah any like practices that you have whether that's like email someone or call someone or text them or so i've actually seen this done a couple of times which is really well done um there um, is a friend of mine who reached out to me first in 2016 i was still in grad school at that time and she just said she just read my book and it was cool at that time we didn't know each other this was over linkedin then over every three to four months she would send me like a really interesting update about her life and like what she's doing what she's looking at and again we had only met like one time informally like through like linkedin right but she kept updating me so when in 2017 springboard had a job opening i'm like oh my god she would be the right fit so i remember reaching out to her because again we had met once she had sent me updates every three months or so for over a year and i was like okay she comes to mind for this and she ended up getting hired and working with us for several years so i think that's a really good way of doing it just providing like interesting tidbits of advice but again like what you had said earlier in the conversation not forcing anything Mm. it's just like this is who i am this is what i'm up to these are the things i'm thinking about or that are interesting and just like staying in touch that way. Yeah, so cool. Um, is there anything else that you think that we missed that we really want to talk about? I know talked about a little bit of the book. I think that's still still so cool. You publish a book when you're 18. Like that's just like really amazing. <laughs> I was always into writing. Like I used to write for the Texas newspaper as well. Mm. Um, my highlight was um, getting to meet people like Indra Nui or um, Mrs. Bush at that time. So like wow. cool Austin celebrities. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun job. And being a reporter for the Daily Texan actually. So 6 a.m. like runs for these kind of stories. It was a fun time. And then like that skill set just led to this book. Mm. Is there anything else you want to share or anything else that you think someone who's listening to this should do? So something I tell all my friends is that every week, reach out to maybe two people in the industry that you think are interesting and just try to have conversations with them. Mm. 
And I've been so amazed. Like just last week, I reached out to this one. Like I meet like two or three new ed tech people at least at least every week, right? So I reached out to this one person I really like just thought was interesting. And he gave me so many insights that I wouldn't have imagined about like my future, like what I'm trying to learn right now, which is about the policy sector in America for ed tech. Mm. Like how can we bring more like ed tech into classrooms and those kind of things? I'm just trying to get smarter about that. And he had like just so many insights and connections and I just didn't even know that when I reached out on LinkedIn. So I think having like those conversations and reaching out cold all the time keeps building your network. It keeps helping you learn more mm. and it keeps kind of getting, maybe some of them will lead to those friendships that can help in your career. Mm. Cool. So if people want to reach out to you, what's the best places to do so? What's the best ways to stay in touch? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, I feel like I'm always on LinkedIn, so uh, that would be the best place. And if there's something in like the ed tech sector or any of the portfolio companies that I can help with, I'm happy to do that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sia. Thanks. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.